Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, D-Flash. Each episode, I bring a different business leader who's bringing some game-changing work to the surface. And this episode is no different. I am so excited to have Alessandra Villari, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Innovation Marketing Factory. We're talking about his startup and career journey, TikTok, and so much more. Uh, take a listen. Hey, Alessandro, how are you? All good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So I'm going to jump right in because I'm fascinated because I feel like you're going to have a unique answer to this question. Uh, Alessandro, what was your first job? Yeah, so I started actually um, working, you know, I mean, I've done several things, I'd say, <laughs> if I have to see like my first official job, um, I was working as a, you know, a combination of CMO and growth hacker for a startup in Italy um, about real estate. And um, I'd say like, you know, the official one, because I personally started working since I was like, you know, 15 years old while I was studying uh, in high school. And then, you know, I was doing the same, like, you know, studying bachelor degree and, you know, at the same time working the same also when I did my master's degree. So I'd say like, you know, I always like, you know, being working and studying together. Uh, but yeah, officially speaking, the first one, uh, you know, in the growth growth marketing field. So, you know, in a in a nutshell, it was helping a startup to get out of the box ideas and different type of like you know marketing to help uh, a startup that has maybe you know lower budgets in terms of marketing. How can you still grow a company, you know, without maybe the usual techniques or ways to go? And um, I'd say I learned a lot, you know, because when you have to think about differently and, you know, out of the box, you can get like, you know, so many ideas that are different and help you grow in as a professional, as a person. Uh, and so I'd say, yeah, I started like that. And then, of course, like, you know, move to like, you know, still in the digital marketing, opening up to influencer marketing and so on. But uh, I'd say that the beginning as a growth marketer gave me so much, like, you know, like so many ideas to grow companies. Uh, that I think are like, you know, quite a unique in the digital marketing space. Awesome. So what was this job you had when you were 15? Because I'm guessing you were in Milano. Yes, correct. Yes, I was, I was in Milano, my, my city in Italy. And, you know, I, Italy, it's, um, Italy, it's a tricky place, let's say, when it comes to work. It's a fantastic, uh, Italy is a fantastic country. But when it comes to work, unfortunately, there is still an idea that, you know, if you are young, um, you are not a professional or, you know, you have to prove yourself a lot. And when I was 15, I was doing a lot of work more in the graphic design space. Uh, you know, I was actually like really interested in that. Even if I was doing classical studies in high school, uh, I was really into gra graphic design. And in fact, my bachelor degree is actually graphic design and art direction. And when I was 15, I was like a bit bored only by studying. I was looking all the time to mostly, you know, manage my own life in terms of also like, you know, financially speaking. Um, we in Italy, unfortunately, we have a problem that a lot of young people stay in their apartment, in their, like, you know, home from their, with their parents uh, for a long time. And, <laughs> I've heard you that. Know, you know, yeah, I mean, like, you can easily find 35 plus, uh, you know, people in Italy, they stay still with their parents because unfortunately, you know, like there is a big crisis so people don't have the money um, to find their own place. But also a lot of people are like, you know, maybe sometimes lazy. And so I said, you know what? I want to be, uh, have like you know, enough, enough like you know, financial freedom. And so I said, how can I start doing something? 
and you know i was always like interested in in marketing in graphic design and looking around like things like search engine optimization and again you know i started pretty young you know the first website that i done i was i think 12 years old and then so when i was 15 i said you know like uh, i said i can make some money uh, as side projects so i started actually working for um for a physical newspaper and i was yeah again like 15 imagine i was doing crazy hours i was going to school a really, really difficult school in, in, in Milano, a high school. And uh, when I was going out from, from the high school, I was maybe staying with my friends for a couple of hours. And then I was going to this uh, really small office and I was working sometimes up to two in the morning because we, we had to, you know, publish this physical newspaper. And, and it was such as like, you know, really intense, I'd say, uh, part of my life, but I learned so much. I said, you know, even if you are young in a, in a, in a country like Italy where no one takes you seriously, I was able to learn that if you make certain, let's say, mistakes when you're like that young, uh, you have so much time, right, to learn from those. And so, yes, I was all the time combining studying and in work together. And uh, I think that it gave me like, you know, really sort of like, you know, extra points on that because, yes, I was studying, you know, theory in school, but then I was doing practical things uh, on work. And since I started that moment, you know, I always work and now I'm, you know, almost 30 years old. And uh, in these latest, like, you know, 15 years, uh, I learned so much that you cannot find on books uh, that I think that is, like, you know, priceless. Awesome. So you got all these really great experiences. So how do we get to you founding this company today? What's that journey been like? Because obviously you're not in Milano anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you know, I'd say that if we have to, like, you know, look at everything that happened, uh, I'd say that something quite important in my life that happened, it is that uh, when I was 18, still in Milano, I actually started my first startup called it, uh, Milanoids. It was a website about, you know, what to do in Milano. And even if I really didn't make any money with it, with it I learned a lot about leadership. I mean, I was in charge, like, you know, of the, this sort of startup with 20 people. And we are like, when you're like, you know, 18, you are still learning a lot of things. Um, but it helped me out in understanding what a team is, you know, what is the project, uh, what, 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 what is the brand behind, like, you know, uh, going from a concept to actually, you know, creating something. And from that moment, again, like, you know, I, I, I work as, as a freelancer, um, you know, for many years. I have never been employed, like, in my life. I never done, actually, a 9-5 job. I never got a salary. I was always, like, on the edge, like, on getting everything that I was, work, like, you know, working for. So I put let's say, be like, like, you know, more risk on my personal, like professional life by getting also a better stake on that. So I said, you know what, after many years of working for some other people, I said, I mean, when I was 18, I created my first startup and maybe, you know, now uh, after 10 years, I can, I can do it again, but this time, you know, even in a more serious way. So uh, after living in Milano, then I moved to Copenhagen in Denmark. And after that, I went actually to Miami. I started working already in the influencer marketing field, but after working, you know, with some people that, um, you know, let's say they didn't really like the management style, I said, you know what, I think that I'm ready to create uh, now, like, you know, my own company. And uh, so two years ago, um, two years and, you know, some months ago, I co-founded the influencer marketing factory. And what happened is that uh, um, we started only a couple of people, me and my co-founder, and imagine like, you know, immigrant in the States, uh, no connection, uh, no VC money, almost nothing. And then we said, you know, now what do we do, right? And uh, from the moment, uh, uh, past for a while, like, you know, in, in, in only a couple of years now, we are like 
23 people between Europe and the States. Uh, we have fantastic uh, clients uh, such as Google, um, Sony Music, Warner Music Group, Universal Music, uh, Snapchat, uh, uh, Bud Light, Dunkin', and many others. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like my my experience went from uh, like, you know, just having a concept and an idea when I was 18 and I was not really able to monetize to actually creating a multi-million uh, dollars company in just a couple of years. Again, thanks for all the different, uh, you know, experiences that I've done when I was younger and I was able to like, you know, commit mistakes without you know, like, you know, too much of a problem. And so, yeah, now, now here we are here, you know, and uh, it's going well. Uh, influencer marketing is booming. So quite happy to see this type of growth. Wow. So how did, how, so what was it like to land that first big client? How'd that happen? So um, it happened actually that um, uh, we uh, work a lot and personally uh, I work a lot on SEO. Uh, search engine optimization, I'm a big fan of that. You know, it helps a lot, I think, when it comes to long-term type of strategy. And um, instead of like, you know, pushing uh, to these type of clients, you know, they they have already like, you know, their vendors, they, if you, if you reach out like with a cold email, it's quite difficult to close them. But um, I do remember that we were actually contacted by, uh, I think it was Sony Music, one of the first, that this was two years ago. You know, we have been one of the first agencies uh, out there to go with TikTok in a professional way. We, we created a landing page, started offering a TikTok influencer marketing. And I remember that Sony, you know, asked us about that. And um, after that, you know, what happened is that you, you start getting more traffic, right? Because there, there was less competition. So um, looking for TikTok influencer marketing agency and things like that, we were the first one popping up. We're still out, ah. they were like now on Google. But you know, what happened is that they are like in need, right? So if they were looking for TikTok influencer marketing, it was still new. Uh, we were popping up because no one else was offering that. So we actually got, you know, then after Sony, of course, like we got uh, Universal Music and Warner Music Group because, you know, of course, once you get one of them, they, they all start come. like looking at us, of course. And I do remember also that we got actually an inquiry from Google that it is now one of our clients. And um, and that was like, again, you know, in uh, inbound type of request, they were looking for certain type of services and we were there for them, for them you know, uh, with, their, with, with our answers. So we have done a lot of SEO and also we have given away free information with our eBooks and reporting and everything. And I'm a big fan of giving away like for free valuable information more than pushing. If a client can see new available assets and they can as associate you with like, you know, a professional in a certain topic, they will come to you. And you already know that those type of clients are actually really good, like, you know, warm prospects because they are in need. So, yes, I'm, I'm still remember like yesterday, the, the first time that we got like uh, the first big clients on. And, uh, um, you know, they, they again, they were looking for a solution and one was offering that. And, uh, you know, so thanks to less competition and a lot of knowledge in a certain topic that was TikTok, we won them over. And uh, now, of course, it's uh, definitely easier, right? Because we have a lot of social proof. Awesome. So, you know, being one of the kind of pioneering TikTok agencies, what's some of your advice to uh, uh, influencers and other folks on how to monetize it? Because I feel like we see a, there's still a lot of like fluff around it. Uh, and obviously you want to see what the substance is. So what's some of your like kind of best practices and advice for brands who want to utilize uh, TikTok effectively? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as you said, I mean, TikTok and they like, you know, change it a lot and uh, there is still a lot, of, a lot of confusion sometimes in how you can monetize and also how can brands really like, you know, be on the platform in the right way. Uh, I'd say that, you know, even TikTok now it's working on uh, different new features that is like it's public news that, for example, they are starting offering uh, affiliation links for some of the influencers and creators on the platform and that, you know, will help uh, uh, influencers in creating, you know, entertaining video and also make money thanks to affiliation links. So that is definitely something I'm looking into. I mean, imagine that, imagine if you're like, let's say a makeup artist on TikTok and every single day you do an entertaining uh, or useful video about a new product, uh, you know, from that moment on, you won't just be able to get a lot of like, you know, views, but actually if people will buy a certain product thanks to your affiliation link, you will make money more views you get uh, the more potential monies you're going to make so you know that is pretty scalable as a thing and um, if you are not able to do that there are still a lot of like you know brands that want to connect with you and pay you to promote a certain product service or, or app that is actually what we do as an agency right we are uh, this this middle person that helps in uh, like you know brands to get in front of the right people with the right type of influencers so if you want to monetize that there are definitely different ways one, it is like, you know, do influencer marketing campaign. The second one could be affiliation link. As soon as, you know, it's, it's going to be a feature that's going to be public on TikTok. But also like, you know, you can, you can create your own merchandising. You can um, do maybe some indirect type of like, you know, monetization. So you, maybe you are not really making money out of TikTok, but uh, you can start getting people on like, you know, selling your, your course. You can start selling uh, like, you know, your time. There are different ways to do that. So you can imagine TikTok as a direct way to make money as you would do, let's say, with YouTube, uh, you know, advertisements. But uh, you can also see as, uh, uh, let's say, a way to drive traffic to something else and make money with that. So as a brand awareness plus, like, you know, acquisition traffic to your own website, let's say. But again, uh, I'd say that TikTok has this, uh, this, this, this great opportunity because it can get in front of millions of people. So at the end of the funnel, you know, if the conversion rate, it's even just like, say, you know, two, three percent out of millions of viewers, you can definitely make a lot of money. And I know, I know for a fact, because we're working with uh, hundreds, if not thousands of TikTokers every single year. And, uh, and uh, some of them, uh, they are making more than a good salary, believe me. <laughs> so there is a big opportunity. It's just about like, you know, knowing what you're doing in terms of being professional and do not thinking that TikTok just because, you know, it might be a bit more, uh, let's say like, you know, looking a bit less professional than maybe, you know, like LinkedIn is not to be taken seriously. You have to have a, still a professional mindset when you want to monetize on TikTok, you know, it's still, a, you know, a social media and you should see it as a, as, as a, as a professional, right? Uh, but yeah, a, a lot of different ways to make money and you can definitely scale up a lot. Awesome. What are some mistakes brands are making on TikTok <laughs> that you are are, are 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 kind of annoyed to see? Um, so I'd say that um, some, um, you know, some brands are maybe still uh, confusing TikTok with, let's say, I don't like, you know, Instagram. And they're like two different, totally different medium, right? Two different social media talking a different way, different type of uh, community. Um, and what I can see it is that a lot of brands are still trying to repurpose the same type of content from let's say YouTube, they cut it, they put it in vertical and they put it on TikTok. 
but that doesn't work. You know, you have to create all the single time something that is really specific for each social media. Uh, if you want just to repurpose something, it won't work mostly because the community wants to have certain product, like you know, certain content that is really TikTok native. And if you want just like let's say to save money and try to repurpose the content, it just won't work because it's a different way to talk. It is different slang. It's different, uh, um, you know, trends. And so that is definitely something that like, you know, it's a big mistake. And also another one, it is that uh, uh, what I noticed that, uh, you know, some brands um, are not really maybe understanding what TikTok is uh, and they try to push too much a certain commercial message. But as TikTok itself said many times, uh, they, they are saying all the time, do not make ads, make TikTok. And I think that is really important to understand. You don't want to have Gen Z and millennials uh, felt like pressure on to buy something. You want to create a content that it is a funny, entertaining, informative, educational. You want to give something that is actually nice to view and to share to your friends that it also happen to be an advertisement. And in that way, it's going to be shared. It's going to be seen by millions of people. If you said you want to do a really cool type of like you know, promotion and using TikTokers to do so, they might not work just because, again, they community and audience on TikTok is expecting something else. They don't want to be told what to buy or what to download, right? They want to be part of the community, part of the audience. So again, you know, make uh, make a TikToks funny, entertaining, education, whatever you want, but try not to go in the typical cold advertisement because again, TikTok is just not the platform designed to do that. Awesome, such great advice. So, you know, obviously, you know, you're a few years into building a company and it's been successful. Talk to me about a time when you had a challenge in building the company. You're like, there's no way we're going to find our way through. And then you did. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, of course, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, there are so many challenges uh, at the beginning, especially. Um, in my, I mean, for my personal experiences also, I'd say that, you know, coming from Europe, I, I, I learned a lot that there are so many cultural differences between Europe and the States. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. You know, in, in how you talk, in how you present a proposal, in how you relate, right? Like we Italians, we talk a lot, maybe too much sometimes. And I realized that uh, maybe some other, like people from other countries, they don't like to talk uh, you know, like so much as well, or they want maybe to go too straight to the point sometimes. And so definitely something that I learned it is that like, you know, no matter what, if you're like from another country, uh, it, 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 it is challenging at the beginning to maybe position yourself in a certain way. And then I'd say that um, something else, it, maybe it could be challenging, especially for an agency. Uh, since we are like, you know, we are a people, uh, a people company, we don't really have a technology, right? Uh, like that we based on, but it's almost the people. Uh, it's find the right ones, the, the ones that really want to like, you know, not just fit, fit in, in the company, but actually really help, you know, grow in it. And so far I have to say, I've been, uh, you know, quite, quite lucky to find really fantastic uh, team members that uh, are always doing the extra mile for the company. And uh, uh, that I, I'd say that at the beginning, maybe if your name is not that, you know, like maybe that known, um, it will require a bit more, right? For you to get the right type of people. And uh, you will, it will fail, I'd say a lot of the times in the, you know, at the beginning, you maybe you want to just hire people to help you out. But of course you, at the beginning, you might not find the right right fit right or the perfect person for that role so i think that at the beginning you will have 
to as a CEO, like in, in, in or, or co-founder or COO or CTO, you will have to put so many hats on your on your head, right? Because unfortunately, even if you have someone that you try to, let's say, like you know, give some of your state, like you know, some of your tasks, you will still have to double, triple check everything. So at the beginning, it's a lot of work. You have to be on point on everything because you know you are the founder of the company, not the others, right? They're going to be there, and of course, they they will not like you know do maybe everything perfect just because it's not it's not their company. That is not totally normal. You don't have to take it personally, right? You are just understand that certain people are working for you and uh, and that's it. But you are the founder of the company. You have to be there all the single time. So yeah, long story short, let's say again, for me, it was like mostly like, you know, um, a combination of understanding different type of cultures when it comes to work um, and also find the right fit of people. And, um, and super last one, I'd say uh, also still always being, you know, um, on top of everything is, Especially when it comes to not only like you know having your like uh, clients happy, but always find the new ones, right? To, to scale up the scale up the agency. So, yes, I mean you will have uh, like when you start a company, so many different uh, tasks to do, so many responsibilities, are so so much stress on uh, that sometimes you know some days might be let's say you know harder than others. Uh, but now that you know it's, it's scaling up and everything is going well, then you can look back and say it's okay. It was it was like you know stressing and everything, uh, but uh, you know now it makes uh, a bit more sense. Like you know in, in in the looking at like you know from from a sort of like helicopter helicopter views, you know. Um, but yes, I mean those are the ones that you know, are like you know just just like you know uh, they come out of my mind if I have to think about you know the first challenges uh, when I started. Awesome. And so, how 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 did COVID affect the business? Did it help you guys to kind of spike and grow? Because obviously, the row million and one viral TikTok challenges that happened last year. How for you, uh, um, as a business, did it, did it affect you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it, even if for a lot of people, unfortunately, this was a really you know ter- terrible, terrible like you know year. Uh, I feel so lucky to be honest to be in an industry that is growing fast, is growing big. And, you know, being, again, one of the first offering TikTok, we have been in a really, really amazing competitive advantage with a lot of leverage. So actually, actually, we hired diff, like a lot of people this year and uh, we grew a lot. And uh, in terms of like, you know, offering, uh, we actually start offering even more services still, of course, in our core that is influencer marketing. But uh, I also have to say that uh, all our team is remote. We uh, have people from all over the world. And, um, you know, we were not affected. A lot of other agencies had their offices, you know, physical offices. And uh, I saw some of them having some, like, you know, hiccups uh, at the beginning because they were not able to maybe manage their work with people remote. They were not used to. But actually, we 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 were, like, you no know, remote from day one. We, we, we still have a couple of, like, you know, small offices in both in Miami and New York. But it's more, like, you know, maybe to meet clients, uh, you know, when, when COVID uh, will be over. Uh, so again, we, we saw a big growth, um, as you said, like, you know, a lot of people are spending more time on their phones, uh, more time on TikTok, more time on uh, buying things online. So definitely more attention on that and even bigger budgets, you know, from brands on influencer marketing. So again, knocking on woods and everything so far so good. We've been, been seeing like a lot of growth. And again, I, every single day, I, I really feel as an entrepreneur, I feel so lucky uh, to be in an industry that is actually growing. And um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I couldn't be couldn't be happier, you know, on on the on those terms, to be honest. Awesome. So, 
you've got everything going, you're moving and grooving, but you're also uh, still a busy CEO. What in the world do you do for yourself, Carol Alessandro? Uh, like what? Like uh, you mean uh, to like for, for relax or? Relax, relax, take some time for you, not work 24-7 um, nonstop hustle. Yeah, um, I love cooking. I love cooking. I mean, maybe ah, because I'm Italian, so it's you're Italian. Italian. <laughs> but yes, I, I love cooking. I even started making my own pasta and everything, you know. So uh, I, I really spend a lot of time in that. I think that it's a good a good way, like, you know, just to take your brain off. And, uh, you know, like when you do a recipe, it's, uh, it's a mix of like, you know, uh, following certain, uh, like, you know, let's say things in a recipe, but then it's also creativity, right, together. And uh, in that moment, you have no responsibility, right? You, you, you are just making something, right? And uh, at the end of that, you get uh, almost like insistently, like just maybe one, after one hour of cooking, you get something, right? And uh, you eat it and you're happy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy. Uh, but uh, it, it, it helps me all the single time, right? Just to relax. And uh, that is something that I surely do. And uh, unfortunately now, because of the weather, I was not able to do any outdoor activities. But when I can, like, you know, I maybe sometimes play tennis. When I was back in Miami, I was doing paddle boarding. Not that easy to do in New York anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit difficult. A bit difficult, let's say. But, you know, let's say that I'm, I'm a really, um, let's say, even if I work a lot, I don't want to say of myself like being a workaholic. I think that mental health, especially in the agency environment, it is really important. That's also what we say to people working with us. Take some time off when you can. It could be from easy things like, again, like cooking up to taking like a break and doing a little road trip somewhere. Because unfortunately, like, you know, in the agency environment, you work a lot and harder than a lot of other industries, right? Uh, clients are really demanding. Sometimes you have to be on point all the single time. And, um, and, you know, I'm happy to see that uh, mental health is a topic that more people are, you know, talking to, uh, talking about, you know, without uh, being any more something like, you know, a taboo that you cannot, you know, like, you know, just even mention. So, so yes, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be busy with different things. I think that work is important for sure, uh, but also having a good balance between work and personal life, it's uh, even way more important because you don't want to look back in your life and, you know, maybe only see a lot of work without fun. Uh, and uh, so all the time that I can, I, I see friends, I do things, I go out, I love staying outside and not just working in front of a computer, you know? So I think that a good balance, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really important. And uh, from my experience, the less, uh, you know, uh, relaxed that you put in, I think that also in terms of productivity actually goes south mostly because you try to push that hard, you know, that at the end of the day, you get the counter effect, you know, of productivity. So uh, whenever I can, I just try to like, you know, just uh, close my MacBook, MacBook and take a walk out, you know, and enjoy the weather, especially, I mean, like, you know, if, <laughs> if we're going to get a normal summer, I hope so, you know. Hopefully a normal summer. Exactly. Okay, so you said you make pasta. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite pasta? Oh, that's uh, that's a that's a hard one. But I think that uh, I mean, like uh, you know, I don't know if you can consider like in a normal, like you know, typical pasta, like you know, carbonara or uh, all the others. But uh, I'm a big fan of uh, making my own lasagna from uh, from scratch. Everything, you know. So I'd say that I have to choose like one thing that uh, I could eat every single, maybe not day, <laughs> because it's not that that uh, that light. But yes, uh, lasagna definitely. I think that it's uh, it's uh, really like one of those Italian things that you know, like combine together so many 
flavors, you know, that, uh, yes. So big fan of that. And uh, I mean, I, if, if we start talking, uh, um, like, you know, uh, talking about food with an Italian, you might need another hour of podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, we'll stop um, here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, um, as someone um, who has, I have not been to Italy yet, which is insane to me, um, but um, I love, Uh, all things pasta um and, and pizzas and and obviously great bread so yeah um oh i love talking about food so <laughs> it's one of my favorite things um okay so i'll do one more food question because i kind of kind of have to you're not, i very rarely have an, an actual italian on my show so this is like awesome for me um what is your favorite dessert oh um i mean if i have to go italian i think that maybe um Uh, it's a good it's a good match between I think uh, tiramisu and panna cotta I think both of them uh, but you know as as top desserts but then there are there are so many I can tell you you know cannoli I can tell you baba I can tell you seriously like it's it's you know for us Italians it's also difficult to choose let's say we have so much and you know, embarrassment <laughs> of riches what yeah, yeah that's it and th that is definitely something that I miss about Italy you know living in the states. Uh, having like you know a proper you know Italian Italian food and desserts and everything you know and I I think that after living in the states for a long time I can understand the, you know about the, the dolce vita you know and uh, and uh, the bella vita you know the, the living the life like you know the the, the 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 good life you know as we say in Italy and I think that now uh, I I understand that a bit more you know you take it for granted when you are in Italy and when you leave then you start missing that you know. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I, I have the best panna cotta I've ever had was actually in New York at this place called Chickalicious. Um, kind of I know that place. I've been there. Yeah. In yeah. Place, they only do desserts, right? Yeah. Only desserts, um, freshly yes. made in front of you. And yeah, it was this Italian inspired panna cotta and it was just the most divine thing ever. And I was like, This is awesome. Because <laughs> um, I love sweets. I love pasta and I love sweets, which is why we get along, Alessandro. Uh, so um, these are things I care about. But also I think, you know, but, you know, I think there is something about the idea of actually doing cooking right now. Because I've I cooked more in the last year than I have in my entire life. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, yeah, it, you're right. It's like, it's kind of therapeutic to sort of do it and, Uh, and not and close that MacBook and then kind of and focus on getting it right. So that's why you actually it's actually is a, a great way to like chill and relax. But yeah, I am looking forward to going to as many Italian restaurants as I can throughout New York City and eating everything. <laughs> well, it, it helps, you know, with the COVID and everything happening. I mean, like I think that food it's it's a really good comfort uh, place, you know, that you can you can have, you know, like you can go to. So. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, like, uh, there, there is so much, I think, going on when you cook and about food. There is so much culture. I mean, like, especially for Italy, we, we, we have a culture of more than 2,000 years, you know, in food. That's why we're so obsessed. And uh, you can easily, like, you know, between Italians, like, you know, when, when you go out for a dinner or for actually for, for lunch, you know, you are eating about food while eating food and talking about what you are going to eat for dinner. That's what we do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's why we get so serious about food, you know. Like we we don't joke around, you know, when it comes to food, you know, and uh, especially Italian food. But uh, yeah, I mean, like again, it has been a really hard year for everyone, and uh, I think that a lot of people finding cooking something where you can uh, 
no, just relax. But again, it's I think it's a comfort place, you know, uh, where you can find uh, something that is like okay, you know, everything it's goes out for a lot of things, but at least you know, I can I can relax, I can make something. Also, I think that it's like you know, it's uh, rewarding, you know, you work on something and then you you get your product, right? Uh, it makes you happy. So yeah. Exactly. Like the, you get to see the result and then you get to enjoy that result. So that's, okay. and that's, grat that's gratifying. Um, awesome. Actually, you know, thinking about all this now, looking back on, you know, leaving Milano, coming to the States, what do you think you'd tell 18 year old Alessandro? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what, uh, when I was like 18, um, I was already, as I said before, like, you know, into this mindset of like, you know, be, be an entrepreneur, uh, creating my you know, my like you know, super big startup uh, and becoming 100 million plus in like, you know, dollar revenues. Uh, um, I, I'm, I mean, like, I'm, I'm definitely happy, like with what I'm building now, as I said before, like, you know, we, we go to the multi-million, like, you know, revenues already, like in the first two years. So it's going well on that. But I think that when I was 18, maybe I, I had this like, you know, uh, idea as a lot of other you know, like young people that are like, you know, they want to create something that um, you want to create the, the new next thing, you know? Um, but you do not realize uh, that it's not just about sacrifice a lot of things. It, it's about that, you know, maybe it's not what you want. And when I was 18, I thought that what I wanted, it was like, just like, you know, work and like, you know, getting all the next big thing done. And, you know, I wanted to be, again, like, you know, that, that type of CEO, right? And, if I if I could just like you know tell to myself it's just like you know to maybe like you know reconsider many factors uh, like you know before actually going that big on something because you know like I think that at the end of the day um, it might not be what is like you know make you happy right and uh, when I was eighteen I was pushing myself all the time and I was like uh, I was like oh I'm almost let's say in my twenties and I didn't make the big thing yet you know. And then I was like maybe 21. I said, oh, wow, now I'm 21. You know, I didn't make the big, you know, things yet. So long story short, I think that, you know, um, it's not that I think, you know, like um, good to push yourself too much because you will never see the good things you are making. You're always seeing what you're missing, you know, the gap, the, the oh, I didn't hit my goals yet. And so I would just say to my eight years old, like, you're making already like a lot compared to your like you know uh, other peers in Italy. You're making more to other peers also here in the states. Uh, just enjoying like just start enjoying the achievement, you know, the goals that you got uh, in your pockets instead of only looking at what you're missing. Because if not, you're gonna be uh, you know quite unhappy all the single time because you know you're always looking for the next thing and you really never enjoy the moment. So I think that, you know, that is not just for like, you know, work and like, you know, being an entrepreneur. It's in general, you know, no matter what you do, if you're like even an employee, it's like, you know, all the time trying to understand what makes you happy, right? And uh, so, yeah, that, that I would say the, the biggest things, like, you know, more on a, like, you know, even a psychological level, you know, that I would say to, to myself at, as, you know, 18 years old, let's say. Awesome. I think that's, that's really great and awesome. Really good advice. Thanks, Alessandra. Um, last question for you. Um, do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? So this could be anything from a great book that you've read, um, a, a, you know, a cool place you've been, a travel recommendation, anything you want. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, now I'm reading a couple of books. Uh, one is called The Attention Factory. 
uh, from uh, Matthew Brennan. It's about like, you know, all the story of, about ByteDance and TikTok. Uh, I, in the last two years, I've been watching closely what is happening in Asia all the time. I want to see like, you know, what happens there because then, you know, sometimes later it comes to the US. The good, that book is quite good to understand, you know, like what is happening, all the story about like, you know, the Chinese market. So that is a good one, I'd say. And then I am now also reading a book about Elon Musk, uh, mostly because I mean, like I, I never want to idolize people. Uh, I don't like to like, you know, look at people like gurus or things like that, but it's quite mm -hmm. fascinating to see how much work there is behind, like, you know, creating something like that. So again, to talking about similar to what we were saying before, right? The sacrificing a lot of things uh, and putting it yourself and you can see that, you know, like someone like Elon Musk, it was, uh, I think, working, like, and I still working 24, 25 hours a day, you know? And uh, just some people maybe do not realize that when you create a company, you have to really put a lot, like, you know, in, in that. So uh, again, not to analyze the, the person, but mostly to see what, what there is behind, you know, creating something majestic like, like you know, uh, SpaceX, uh, PayPal, and all the others. So quite interesting, I'd say, not just on a professional level, but also like more on, a, you know, the, the daily life, right, of someone like him. Um, so those, and then like, you know, of course, like I'm reading a lot of different things about, you know, social commerce and the evolution of e-commerce on social media. It's a big mm -hmm. topic that I'm looking into that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, uh, just out of my mind, that's a dose, uh, you know, uh, as, as main thing. And uh, in places, I mean, like, you know, again, I, I love Italy. It's just not the best <laughs> timing now to go. Uh, but it's say that, uh, yeah, I mean, like, if, if, if you can then travel, like, you know, when it's going to be possible again, uh, there are so many cities and landscapes and, like, you know, and food to try and people to meet that uh, I'd say that it's still in my like you know top of course like you know loved countries uh, that I have so anyone that is listening has never been to Italy as soon as possible they can after COVID uh, go there for maybe a month if you can you know <laughs> and have the time of your life um go for a month okay um if I'm gonna go for a month <laughs> where do I start um, I mean, uh, they're all the, the typical, you know, all the time. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm from Milano, even if it is not one of the most, like, you know, loved because it's less touristic in terms of, like, you know, beauty to see. But uh, uh, Venice, uh, Florence, Rome, uh, and then you have Naples. Uh, I mean, you can go to Sicily. The, the, the beauty of Italy is that every single, like, you know, different uh, region, is uh, it's it's something different, you know. You go from uh, one place to the others, and every five miles, you can have a different accent, a different dialect, a different uh, food recipes, you know. So I mean, I say one month, but if you can say three months, even better, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> enjoy you, Alessandro. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, I mean, granted, the cool thing about what's happened now is that because you can work from anywhere, it actually is possible. Because yeah. you, you can just be like, you know what, I'm just going to relocate to Italy for like this quarter and yeah. like eat my way through Italy. I mean, like, I, I, I don't see why not. Like, I mean, it's, it's cheaper than the States and, you know, it's uh, uh, the, the food. I mean, not because I'm like, I'm, I might be biased, but I mean, like, I, I, I could say that it's better than American food. And, uh, you know, people are really welcoming and welcoming and open and everything and warm. So, I mean, I, I saw many people going to other countries, right, and try things and, uh uh, I don't know, like, I, I think it would be a good compromise, right, of uh, still working, but also enjoying life. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I've never met an Italian who is slang. I, I mean, you guys have, like, a, you radiate joy all the time. So um, I think it's a good quality. That, that tells me good quality of life. Um, yeah. So, all right. 
I mean, I don't know if I could do a quarter, but I feel like a month in Italy just sounds delicious. <laughs> I also gained like 500 pounds, <laughs> but, but it'd be worth it because it'd actually be the best food in the world. So I probably wouldn't gain 500 pounds now that I think about it. Um, well, Alessandra, you are such a delight and chock full of really great information. Um, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story mm -hmm. and how you've been able to build and some great advice for brands out there who are trying to figure out the world of TikTok. So we'll put all the details in the show notes for folks that get in contact with you and list out those books that you recommended, which sounds fantastic, as well as like, listen, as soon as Italy opens up, go to Italy and eat your way through, starting in Rome. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And that is our show.